Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Is there some special meaning to the phenomenon we know as crop circles? Why do they appear where they appear? And what happened at Aztec, New Mexico on November 25th, 1948? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 250th edition, almost said anniversary, of Behind the Paranormal. I'm Ben, and the guy asking those many and varied questions was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And certainly a very happy Father's Day to any of you out there who to whom that applies. Uh, it's um, well, I have a nice day myself. Ben and the family put on a nice dinner, and uh, we had a nice uh, nice afternoon. Anyway, tonight we continue our conversation with our good friend, investigative journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Linda is a three-time Emmy Award-winning journalist, filmmaker, author, and broadcaster who holds a master's degree in communication from Stanford University. She has devoted her documentary film, television, and radio career to productions about science, medicine, and the environment. The recipient of many local, national, and international awards, her films have included Poison in the Wind and A Sun-Kissed Poison, which compared smog pollution in Los Angeles and Denver. Fire in the Water, about hydrogen as an alternative energy source to fossil fuels. A Radioactive Water, about uranium contamination of public drinking water in a Denver suburb, and A Strange Harvest, which explored the worldwide animal mutilation mystery, which has haunted the United States and other countries from the mid-20th century to date. Makes me a strange fruit. Well, well, investigative, she can explain. Investigative reporter for Premier Radio Networks, Linda is a, Linda's is a familiar voice on Coast to Coast AM. Among other books, she's the author of Mysterious Lights and Crop Circles. She also was an outstanding contributor to our 16-hour series on the Woodbridge-Bentwaters UFO incidents of 1980, which aired on CBS and Achieve Radio last year. Linda's website, www.earthfiles.com, one of the best sites I know. It's incredible. Check it out. Linda Moulton now. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Hey, thank you so much. And, you know, it is so interesting when you brought up the crop formation issue that the best formations so far this year, have not been in England. They have been in Indonesia. And for those who are listening who would like to see photographs of what many of us think were the most legitimate and are very puzzled, this is one of the big puzzles of 2011, why is it that on in January, uh, the first one was on Sunday, January 23rd, and this was in a village in uh, a city that I'm not certain of the pronunciation, but phonetically it's Yogyakarta, Indonesia, southeast of Jakarta. And it was 5 o'clock in the morning, so we know it was not there when the sun went down. And at 5 o'clock, there was a resident out uh, starting his chores, and he discovered this amazing formation in a rice field, and uh, he said that he was outside even earlier, a couple of hours earlier, at 3 a.m., and everything was very, very quiet, very still. And then others said that they heard what they thought was the whispering sound of something like that strange high pitch that some helicopters give off. Well, huh. this was in a rice paddy, and the estimated diameter that came through uh, from the Indonesian press was 98 feet, almost 100 feet. So this was not small. 
And when you look at the intricacy of that pattern, and then on two days later, on January 25th, it's in the same city region, but it is in a different field. It was again in rice, is another extraordinary pattern. And the reason why I bring this up is that in England this year, uh, for reasons unknown, this is the first season going all the way back to the 1980s, where there have not been extraordinary formations early in the spring season in oilseed rape, which is so difficult to work in. And then, as the barley started rising, in all the previous years, the barley, uh, which has a completely different structure, is completely different to walk in, to feel everything. As soon as oilseed rape, some of the spectacular formations have formed, we would then see a very different fluid looking like rivers of water in barley in the previous years. Hmm. So far in 2011, there has not been one pattern in England that has fallen into the category of the last, uh, well, if you go back, and say that the modern age, because there were reports of circles in World War One, World War Two, the 1970s around Warminster, but the modern age of extraordinary patterns covering 500 to 1,000 feet and laid down what has to be in the dark because they were not there the day before and they were the next day and no signs of anything. You, when you start getting into that category, you're talking about 88 89, 90, 91, 92. I was there for the first time in crop formations in 92, 93. And then as you come up into the middle to the late 1990s is when I call them a creepy group. Uh, they call themselves Team Satan. They were organized by a guy in London specifically, and that's the issue. Are they doing this because it's a counterintelligence operation, again, for reasons unknown, and they are getting money and computer systems under the table, or are they just awful people? I don't know what the answer is precisely, but they're the ones who started uh, organizing the so-called humans, get out and start making crop formations. You may not remember this, but they, uh, there was a group, and they offered money. Uh, around 1994, 95, 96, somewhere in there, for people to make formations. And part of it, people said, was because in September of 1991, there was the famous videotape by a tabloid TV group of the, the couple, the two men who were then in their 60s, uh, Doug and Dave. Oh, yes. And, yeah, and the, I've seen the entire press conference. I listened to every word. I uh, knew a great deal about crop formations. I learned much more the next year and the years after. But I knew enough from the fact that in the summer of 91, before the September, uh, I'm going to call it a tabloid press conference, um, I was the uh, senior producer for the pilot that became the sighting series, and I was working in Los Angeles in television, 
And one of the subjects that we covered in uh, the UFO report sightings, that pilot that was broadcast that fall, were crop formations. And for people listening who may not know or remember, starting in 1990 and 1991, crop formations were being photographed and reported literally around the world in both hemispheres including wet rice paddies in Japan, extraordinary patterns in rice paddies. And everyone was saying, how is this possible? How are these uh, wet, you could see the water reflected in the photographs from the air. How is this possible that these precise, amazing patterns are being held even in rice paddies? And that summer, I counted 33 nations reporting crop formations, 2020. Uh, 60 Minutes news programs, uh, even Barbara Walters was talking about the amazing phenomena of crop formations, and then comes that September 1991 tabloid interview with Doug and Dave, and they are the ones who were saying in front of a camera that went around the world and made page two of the New York Times, because I still have that newspaper somewhere. I couldn't believe how the New York Times handled this. I couldn't Big, big, uh, big headlines. Answer to crop circle mystery. Yeah. Two gentlemen in England. Well, for those of us who knew something, this was the first signs that we were doing with sophisticated counterintelligence. This is the way government and military counterintelligence diverts public and media. It's classic. It's been used in both world wars to survive. And now, why was it being focused on the crop circle phenomena? And we knew, Doug and Dave, were not responsible for a global phenomena. And any reporter worth their salt, especially at the New York Times in New York, should have gotten on a phone and done the same kind of work that I and others do, which is you you call up people or you get a hold of this Doug and Dave and you do a real interview and you start interviewing people in the other 33 countries around the world. You interview farmers in England that where they had crop formations all over counties and you find out that what those two men told that tabloid TV camera on September 9th, 1991, was a farce. And you know it within about half a dozen phone calls. Why is it that the New York Times and all of the major newspapers, television, and radio on September 10th, 1991, did not do that? There was not one leg of work done to do anything to do what's called a reality check on what those two men said. It was simply printed, like you would hand out a transcript to the New York Times and say, here, print this on page two, above the fold. And somebody says, okay, yes, sir, and they print it, and there is absolutely nothing about that New York Times story that had anything to do with the reality of what had actually happened that year. This is so important, what I'm saying, for everyone listening to keep your in your mind the context of crop formations because Wiltshire, England, became the mantra. 
everyone wanted to go to Wiltshire, and Wiltshire became the target and the focus of the Team Satan crowd out of London. Now, this year, unlike any previous year going back into the 1980s, there has not been one single phenomenal formation out of England. While there were two in January in Indonesia, and I'm looking at this and wondering, I and others that I know and respect and who have been out in the fields, have slept in sleeping bags right on the edge of a, what in the morning there was nothing there in the field. I, I mean, I'm telling you this, and I'm assuming that you will know I'm not spinning a yarn here. I'm telling you based on having been there, know the people who have done this, have interviewed people year after year after year. This is one of the more astounding cases when Charles Mallet of the Silent Circle about 10 years ago had taken his sleeping bag out next to a field. It was in the East Field. And he, like a lot of people who live there and seem to be focused on the phenomena, they'll get a gut feeling. I think that it's, something's uh, going to happen. I have to interrupt you, Linda. I'm sorry, but we have to take a break. Okay, and, but and, it's really important. I'll finish on the other side. Absolutely. What absolutely. That's right. <laughs> We'll be right back and behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our guest Linda Moulton Howe on the subject of crop circles. Join Kimmy Rose on interviews Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Together as a community, we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth. Spiritual teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life and embrace purpose. Interviews this Thursday night starting at 9 it's all about what's within you. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the rest, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable But in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life 
unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. Something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we are back with Linda Moulton Howe, an amazing expert on crop circles, probably the, the most amazing expert on the planet, I think, and Ben's so inspired, he's sitting next to me in the booth here drawing crop circles. Yeah, so, that's exactly what I'm Linda, doing. please pick up where you left off and don't let us interrupt you. <laughs> well, this was something, it's one of the more extraordinary moments in the whole history of crop formations, and it underscores why whatever is going on now, this has been a phenomenon that has stunned all of us who have given it time and who have spent time in it. And what I was saying before the break is that a good friend, Charles Mellet, who has run the Silent Circle for the last three or four years, it was back, and I've got the date now, it was on June 19, 1999, the Eastfield, the night before everybody, and when you're there, you have people who go up on the hills every night during the summer just to watch for lights and stuff. So it's not like that somebody would just uh, be able to function in the east field by themselves, right? You have people on all the hills looking down on the east field, the south field, and on and on and on. You got you got eyes from sunset to sunrise, and this was the case that night. And Charles Mallet had this gut feeling that he'd take his sleeping bag, because he has slept along the sides of fields all over uh, southern England, and he wanted to take his sleeping bag uh, to the East Field. He had this gut feeling that something was going to happen, and East Field has been one of probably the most persistent targets of this phenomena over at least the last 20-some years. So during the night, he never heard anything. He went to sleep. There And I'm stressing there was nothing in that field when the sun went down. Multiple eyewitnesses, there was nothing in the east field. And then when Charles, something woke him, he thinks it was a sound, and he opens his eyes, and the sun is just coming up. It's very early. Dew on the grass. He stands up out of his sleeping bag, and there are two of the most extraordinary formations of all time. And one of them, called the Sentence, was more than a thousand feet long with all of these complicated symbols. And not too far away from it is what at the time was called the Serpent, uh, sort of like a snake. But these are, uh, I've got it now, the, the the one, the longest one they called the sentence because it has all these symbols in it and it was 1,020 feet long. 
the serpent next to it was 500 feet long. And Charles, along with everybody else, said, how in the world? I was right there in my sleeping bag on the edge of the field. He was not far from one of the ends of the symbols that came down in what is called the long sentence. How was this possible? And that was uh, one of the, we'll call it, the demarcation moments in 1999 from the Team Satan crowd who no one could do this. I hope you all are understanding. No one, yeah. no human, no group of humans, no one can pull off what occurred in the East Field that night. Only in summer, June to July, that was getting close to the summer solstice, uh, you only, I've been there where the sun is setting close to 10 and it is up at about 4.15. So you do not have much dark in England in the summer. And those two enormous formations were sort of a new benchmark. Oh my God, what are we dealing with? What are the mysterious lights? Why are these phenomenal codes, some people called them, uh, it was very clear to Gerald Hawkins, who was the author of Stonehenge Decoded, an astronomer who became so fascinated with the formations because of the mathematical relationships he was seeing. And it was Gerald Hawkins, before he died, who gave a challenge to the mathematics world to take a 1991 Barbary Castle pattern that he said had half a dozen geometry theorems in it that were not in Euclid were not in any academic college text, and he put a sealed envelope and went through a big deal so that everything would be sealed, and he kept the, that sealed for three or four years, and then they had uh, this contest. And what is so interesting is that no mathematician nailed the geometric theorems that were, in fact, embedded in that 1991 Barbary geometry, and that was a real stunner to Gerald Hawkins because he was working at trying to come up with mathematical relationships, and he found it, but he said in a quote to me that I used in television, on the radio, and in print, that in studying the Barbary Castle pattern alone, that he had encountered, and this was his phrase, I have encountered a profound intelligence. And he went on to explain about the geometries, and until he died, which was about 10 years later, he was convinced that in the crop formations there was embedded mathematics. Well, now, let's move this story to uh, one other piece before we come back up to this strange, silent year of 2011. In 1993, on my second trip over out in the crop formations, I met a man who was introduced to me as being one thing, but I learned later he was working for an intel operation. And in that uh, crop formation that day, I think he wanted to know what I thought. And I think he was coming across as somebody who uh, was an innocent just exploring. And later I learned he was not an innocent, which makes what he told me there in the crop formation even more interesting. He said that he had a colleague. He didn't finger himself. He said he had a colleague who worked for the Central Intelligence Agency. 
and that they were trying to get satellite photos of every crop formation, no matter where they occurred around the world, and feed them into a series of crays, I guess, the big computers that can analyze so quickly. Mm-hmm. By latitude, longitude, and the chronological sequence of their appearance, looking for exactly what Gerald Hawkins was looking for, embedded mathematical language, and this was his kicker. He said, because it's my understanding that the Central Intelligence Agency is looking at crop formations as markers by time travelers. Time travelers. Yes. Hmm. That was said to me in 1993. Now... In 2011, I and others, through my RAF Bentwaters work and uh, several very important military and abduction cases that I have uh, had a good fortune to be deeply involved in in the last few years, I have been exposed more and more and more to the, I think, a kind of, I'm going to say, not proved, not, not something that is proven, but is becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger piece of high strangeness on the planet, and that is that time travelers have been involved with this planet for a long time and might explain some, half, or maybe even all of the so-called UFO phenomena. Now, just take that as an operative window in which to think about this. So now, time travel... Time travelers. In the RAF Bentwaters case, what Jim Penniston said that came into his mind when he touched the symbols on that black, glassy triangle in the RAF Bentwaters England forest mm-hmm. back on December 26, 1980, 31 years ago, is that he got a binary code download and he got a series of impressions of who, what, when, and why. And that it was a long process of uh, having hypnosis, uh, debriefings with Intel, and a whole lot of other things. And finally, in the 90s, uh, he thinks he had a breakthrough, and his breakthrough about who, what, when, and why were time travelers from a far distant future, approximately 40,000 years in the future, who could come back in time because they were desperate. They were coming back to collect genetic material to use as, and this was the word in his hypnosis session, to use as band-aids in the far distant future where civilization apparently hits a wall and is having trouble surviving. Well, when I heard that part from Jim Penniston, I thought of half a dozen in-depth human abduction cases that I've personally been involved with in hypnosis, in interviews, have known all of these people. And perhaps one of the most interesting pieces of one was a scientist. He has never allowed his name to be public. He was afraid his entire career, institution, and lab would be hurt if he went public. But I can share with you, since no one knows who I'm talking about, that he was abducted at age 32, with his family being left in a state of paralysis, sort of like the Betty Andresen case where there was a bunch of people in a room and everybody goes into a state of suspended animation and Betty Andresen is the one that was interacted with. 
he's the one, the 32-year-old, is interacted with while his family is in a state of suspended animation. And, bottom line, whatever was in that craft fixed his heart, as he said, quote-unquote. He, at that early age, was already suffering angina. And he was scared. And he had stopped running. He had stopped playing tennis. He had stopped doing all of the things that he had done because he knew that as soon as he exerted himself, his chest would hurt. And like so many people, especially if you're in your early 30s, you prefer denial. You prefer to say, this will pass. I don't need to do anything. On board this craft, non-human entities put him on a table, use some kind of instrumentation. He remembers it very, very clearly. And they showed him a screen, a 3D holographic screen that for anybody who has studied anything about the human abduction syndrome, you run into these three-dimensional screens all over the place. And inside of this three-dimensional screen, he is telepathed in his head by the people who fix his heart that he was given a physics lesson from their point of view, about how this universe works in relationship to other universes. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because we have another break. Okay, because the the kicker of this is really fascinating. It is, and, you know, especially from our (laughs) point of view. So we're going to take a break here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. We'll be right back with Linda Moulton Howe and uh, the depth of the crop circle mystery. Stay with us. Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons, no boundaries. When I get to Warwick Avenue, meet me by the entrance of the tube. We can talk things over a little time. Promise me. You won't step out of line When I get to Warwick Avenue Please drop the past and be true Don't think we're okay Just because I'm here You heard me bad But I won't shed a tear
Is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. And we're back with our riveting discussion with Linda Moulton Howe, investigative journalist and expert in crop circles. And I'm just going to let her go because she's <laughs> on a roll. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, this was one of those moments for this lab. Think of it. He owned a lab. He's a scientist. And they are showing him what he thinks is a three-dimensional. Like, imagine if we could back off some kind of a spacecraft far away, far enough away with control that we could film the Milky Way under our control. This was the feeling, that they were showing him an image of not just our universe, but multiple universes, as if to say, you don't understand that your universe, the 13.7 billion, is in a cluster, that the universe or the cosmos, or the capital C, to separate it from the word universe. The cosmos is an infinite number of universi and that they evolve in clusters. And you are in a universe that is in a cluster of ten, and they are paired. There are uh, five pairs. You have a pair And where you have a negatively charged electron and a positively charged proton, your paired universe is completely the opposite. Everything in it is the opposite. And then they went on to say, and what we have discovered is something that has shocked us, and that is DNA, the evolving template for all life they had encountered in their own existence, The DNA had a bell-shaped curve. They did not think that was possible. They thought the DNA would continue evolving and replicating into infinity. And they had come up against a wall in which the DNA in their species was not any longer replicating. They were in a crisis point, and this is why they were gathering genetic material from this planet. I heard that for the very first time back in 1982. I had really? done a yeah, I had, had done a strange harvest, the production 79 to 80. It was broadcast on May 25th, 1980, and I met this scientist in 1982 uh and he was explaining this revelation uh that they had fixed his heart and this is what they had shown him and he was trying to say to me Linda there could be a substantial survival reason for why time travelers other dimensions and extraterrestrials could be harvesting genetic material from this planet i never forgot that 
Well, if there is a survival problem, Bent Waters, Penniston talks about it, the lab scientists I've just talked, told you about talks about it, and you continue on with this quest of why crop circles, if they were time travelers leaving markers, what is the point to what end? And the question that we all used to ask when we started out in the fields in the early 90s, this is so strange, there's got to be a reason, and what's going to happen on the earth if it stops? Hmm. Well, 2011, one year before the notorious, I'm going to say mythological, Mayan 2012, the fact that none of the beautiful, incredible, so far, as of June 19th when we're speaking, have occurred in England, which has been sort of the mecca for crop formations over the last 20-some years. What does it mean that the phenomena, the real phenomena, not the ones that people now still go out so they can have postcards, that the real phenomena has backed off at least from England. Indonesia is so important because there's nobody anywhere who had anything but total shock that those two uh, formations, quite large, quite stunning, and, and quite geometrical, occurred in Indonesia. So you can see... The, the year starts with the chaos and all the death around the world and all the animals, and I was thinking, oh, my God, what is going to happen in 2011 if the new year starts like this? Mm. And then three weeks into January, here come these two formations in Indonesia, and then we get to the spring of uh, the Northern Hemisphere and where there should have been astounding formations like other years, in the end of April into May, nothing of any real significance has happened. And several people are quietly saying, well, what if whatever was behind the crop formations, what if it's gone? What, what does it mean? Is, is the earth now left hanging by a thread in some kind of timeline consideration that has to do with survival in the future? Or is the phenomena itself going to do something spectacular this summer that nobody's going to be prepared for? I don't have an answer, but I'm trying to give you all a huge box in which to look at not only the crop formations that have been an extraordinary phenomena biochemically, biophysically, mathematically, tying into astronomy, all kinds of sophisticated things, and now there's silence. And everybody's wondering, well, what is going to happen by December 21st to 22nd, 2012? And yeah. something, something about the crop formation seems to have a haunting resonance with all of the sun cycles, the star cycles, the astronomy, Gerald Hawkins saw it from all his work in Stonehenge. And if the key to it all, to the stone calendar, 5,125 years carved in stone, ending on the stone, 
at the uh, winter December 21, 22, 2012 was related because that stone was made by time travelers or ETs or other dimensionals, not humans. And they left a stone fragment that related to what they knew, that the universe everywhere works in cycles, that there are cycles upon cycles, and that they know that certain things will happen in the sun, in this solar system, in this galaxy, in these arms, and that there's something coming that we don't have a clue about. Well, there's nothing, there's no doubt that something is coming, but one wonders uh, in the community of multiple universes, I have always believed that it is an open system, that energy and, and matter can be exchanged quite easily. And the question is, whoever is communicating this about their future, is that our future? Or is it just their future? Is it an alternate, a parallel future? Is it ours? I mean, or, or, or we just happen to be in the right place at the right time to assist, genetically speaking. I mean, I, I'm well, sure there's no way to answer that question. Well, you're raising the the haunting piece. Are they us? Are we them? Separated by forty thousand years, and if that's true, then our extinction is their extinction, and vice versa. And therefore, the genetic harvest from this planet might be our survival, their survival, completely entangled. And that when I have tried my very best to look at the repulsive animal mutilations that have gone on for at least a century and tried to say there's no evidence that I can see that whatever is mutilating the animals has ever directed we'll call it the process of animal mutilations, has never directed that process in any wholesale level toward humans. I cannot say that a human or half a dozen or a hundred over the last century have not been subjected to the same, um, I'm going I'm to say, tissue and fluid extractions as has happened to large and small animals. I cannot mm. say one way or the other. There certainly have been rumors uh, there certainly have been, uh, I guess you would say, some people saying that they heard or knew about something secondhand, but trying to prove it. Well, if it has been a hundred, there have been maybe twenty thousand animals. Mm-hmm. So, on a scale. Oh, I the, have to interrupt you again. We're coming up on our final yeah. break, and we'll be right back on okay. Night the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, dot com, with Linda Bolton House. Stay with us. Everything to you. You say you want to start something new, and it's breaking my heart. You're leaving. Maybe I'm grieving. But if you want to leave, take good care. Hope you have a lot of nice things to wear. Then a lot of nice things turn bad out there. Girl, 
CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we're back with Linda Bolton Howe in our fascinating conversation on crop circles, their meaning, their implications. And we have to get CBS to give us five-hour show here because we're never <laughs> going to finish this conversation. But uh, take it away. We only have a few more minutes, but please yes. continue. Well, when people say, well, how could the same intelligence that does crop formations uh, be the same intelligence that kills and mutilates animals around the world and the same intelligence that takes people up in beams and subjects them to both teaching as well as examinations, uh, aren't they all different? Well, I'm trying now to focus on this whole issue of whose survival might be at stake in all of the the phenomena if, in fact, time travelers are a key to everything that has been occurring on the planet for a long time. And it has to do with an effort by those that are 40,000 to 50,000 years in the future and have run up against the wall that DNA will no longer replicate. That is something when you think about that. Well, if they're telling the truth. Well, if DNA ceases to replicate, that is the end of that life form. Mm-hmm. So this is serious. This is way serious if this is true. And then what would the repercussions be between past, present, and future? If the future has an end point, if the civilization has an extinction point, would we know it now? Would we know if there were technologies out there that were actually trying to change the Earth's timeline to avert the catastrophe, to give life going forward to this Earth and on a different timeline in which the DNA 40,000 years in the future will continue to replicate, that we bypass some horrible fate. Now, those are, on one sense, they sound like they're philosophical questions and and great for Star Trek. And I'm trying to say that I think these are at the heart 
of everything that has been going on. And if the government suspects or knows or has hard knowledge about whatever is happening with time, and they do not want the human family to wake up, they have this assumption that only a 100 people on the planet can ever know the truth, uh, keep everybody dumb and happy while uh, we go toward whatever. This uh, is a very interesting question, whether you're talking about crop formations and what I was saying before the break. The numbers, if you put them in a scale, if you look at 20,000, 30,000 animal mutilations over 100 years in both hemispheres, those animals would ultimately, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, they would have been part of the human food supply. If Am I saying that gently enough? Meaning yes. that the focus on the mutilations, the animals, over 100 years, even though humans say, it's not right, those are my animals. Well, there are animals, that's true, on Earth, and we would... Uh, we would fight to keep our right to choose when we wanted to take those animals to a slaughterhouse or whatever. And the fact that something else that law enforcement says are creatures from outer space are taking out animals without asking permission, that's where people sort of say, well, then they must be bad. Well, what if all of the genetic harvest of the planet and the crop formation markers, with all of their clearly embedded mathematical language in in some of them, and the human abduction syndrome, which also harvests sperm and eggs from humans, another genetic harvest. What if all of it were going toward trying to preserve a positive, distant future so that it doesn't go in to the hard collision of DNA not replicating. And I hold open the door in my mind that that is what all this phenomena eventually is about, that every level of it, survival is an issue, and that if we could get past war and violence on this planet, and we could have a planet where win-win was the dominating philosophy, not testosterone, power, and greed, taking uh, everything and leaving nothing for the vast majority, if we could be on a planet that was win-win, then changing the timeline so that there could be an evolution of the human family into a future where everybody could be sustained and that everyone cherished all life, that, to me, would be worth all of the struggle. That's true. Certainly true. Let me ask you a, a practical question. Are you aware of any example in the history of the biosphere wherein DNA ceased to replicate? Any for, precedent for that? For Linda's knowledge, I'm not aware. Uh, we're in extinction events from everything I've read are always dealing with something like an asteroid or a comet or something that comes in and or the, the snowball or you know what I'm saying. There, there are these natural cycles that the uh, Earth and the solar system seem to go through and our sun now is another player here of unpredictability. And the unpre- yeah, the unpredictability of the cosmos versus what about the very intrinsic nature of DNA that we would assume it would continue to replicate always. 
If it doesn't, <clears throat> that is a major problem for a future. And I don't know. It, you're, you're asking a very good question, and I probably should try to talk with some famous biochemist about is there any possibility that we would see that DNA could cease to replicate in terms of natural evolution? Okay. What about the fact that, and it is pretty much a fact, that every 660 million years there was a mass extinction, and we're in that period now. Should we be trying, horrible as the prospects you've outlined may be, should we be trying to artificially interfere with the momentum of natural history? Well, now we're at that question I asked you during the break, if you had seen the most recent NASA put out I have to stop because we're out of time. I was oh. so fast. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I think we can consider this a series at this point. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do this periodically. Absolutely. This is really fun. Well, Linda, Linda hang on. We'll talk to you after the uh, after we go off the air, but uh, we've we got to do our closing here. Okay. Uh, ben, here you go. All right. So, you so if, you're, if you're serious about paranormal education, check out the International Metaphysical University, Metaphysical University at www.com. Uh, intermetu.com and thanks to our producer Will Kosnick and we'll see you next Sunday June 26th at 7pm Eastern 4 Pacific right here on CBS New Sky Radio NewSkyRadio.com Ben and I will welcome an unusually distinguished guest Canada's former Minister of National Defense the Honorable Paul Hellyer now a UFO believer and an advocate for exopolitics. All right. In the meantime, tune into our New England Drive Time show on WON twelve forty AM and ONWorldwide.com at six PM every Monday. And remember, if you can always get free podcasts of all our shows along with guest information and show schedules at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And this has been our 200, officially at least, our 250th show. There are almost 300 podcasts on our website. Please check those out. And uh, we are honored to have had Linda with us on the 250th official show here. Yeah. So we, Thank uh, you. And I hope everybody will go to earthfiles.com as well. Absolutely. Wonderful site. And we leave you with a word from American author Robert C. Gallagher. Quote, change is inevitable except for a vending machine. Unquote. <laughs> Okay, thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.